steps, a simple recipe, but it would mean so much to me. Turn on the gas and make me feel fine. All I want to say is, just give me some hot pizza. Folks, Steve Siddall here with another episode of Financial Pizza. It's the only podcast that features clips and more from some of the best financial advisors heard on radio and in podcasts all around the country every week. I bring it to you all hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less. This week, we turn our focus on the devastating impact of Hurricane Ian in southwest Florida. So it's a little different. Eric Carney and Joseph Lanza, they're frequent contributors to this podcast. Well, they were in the thick of it in Cape Coral, Florida. Now, as the storm was bearing down, I texted Eric and I asked him, how did he fare? Spelled F-A-R-E. His reply, one word. Fair. F-A-I-R. It made me smile, but I knew things were not good. Here's Eric. Man, we feel for people out there. You know, it's 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 been well over a month now and it's still going on for a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people dodged a bullet, but they're stepping up and, and helping other people. And there but there's a lot of people who, you know, lost everything and even lost their lives. So this was really a an incredible storm. And um, this will, will go down in history as as probably one of the most costliest storms in history. September 28th, 2022, Fort Myers was bracing for Hurricane Ian, a Category 4 storm packing sustained winds of 150 miles per hour, destroying homes, businesses, and claiming hundreds of lives in its aftermath. As for the cost, it's estimated that Ian caused $60 billion in insured losses, and they're still counting. That makes Ian the second largest disaster loss ever, trailing only Hurricane Katrina in 2005 until you experience it firsthand and you drive through the devastation and, and you feel it with the people, you know, you, you you feel their emotions and, and, you know, you're, you're helping out a lot of people. You're helping people that you've never met before. Um, and it's just, I mean, everybody has just done a really good job of, of trying to comfort one another. And, you know, when times get like this, it really is amazing to see um, what human beings are capable of. And um, so it, it, it's been good. I mean, it's, it, I think that there's been a tremendous amount of progress done over the past month. There's still a lot to go. Um, but this is going to forever change Southwest Florida's landscape, um, how we build things, how we construct things, um, what we think about risk. I mean, it, you know, we've, we've talked about risk for a very long time, but, you know, this is something where people have to say, look, I don't know if I can go through this anymore. And this is a life-changing event for a lot of people. To date, at least 119 people have died. That's more than any other hurricane in Florida since 1935. Many of those deaths were folks over 60 years old. Most of them drowned. Florida is known, obviously, for an elderly population as well. Mm -hmm. And this terribly affects them. Um, My mother, um, her home got hit pretty good. Um, she's affected by this, you know, and, and I'm trying to tell her it's okay, mom, we're going to get you through this, but she just can't comprehend how bad it is out there, you know? And so she looks at her little situation and, you know, it's bad for her, but at the same time, she doesn't understand how bad it is and, and how lucky she is, but it's just her age at this point where, you know, she's still trying to be independent, but 
you really can't be in this type of environment. Right. And and so do you think that this, I mean, obviously everybody is impacted, but, you know, from a, like you said, like your mom, you said she's 85 and, and there are a lot of, you know, older folks around there. Are they affected more or less? I think I mean, so. Yeah. I, 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 because I think they feel vulnerable, right? Like we, we all want to like fix our homes or we, we want to try to help people or, you know, maybe they don't feel as safe, you know, and I'm sure that that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to start thinking about moving to a different area now, for sure. Uh, my next door neighbors in the last storm for Irma, he said, yeah, he goes, I'm out of here. And his wife said, no, I want to stay here. And then this time, and, and their house actually was was pretty good. They, they had very, very minimal damage. Um, but this time, they both agreed that they are going to move to a different location. So I think that that is going to happen more often. I mean, this was by far one of the worst storms ever. Um, in the first nine months of 2022, the U.S. experienced 15 disasters that caused at least a billion dollars in damage. But it's going to take years to calculate the true cost of Hurricane Ian. And so people don't realize that we have these natural disasters that caught that happen all the time that cost, you know, a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But this one is is by far the biggest. And so it's naturally going to change the landscape and how we live and where we live and and, and so forth. And there's a lot of people down at Fort Myers Beach who I'm reading right now. They're like, I'm going to hopefully I'll get a check and I'm going to walk away and hope, hopefully somebody will want to buy this land. Um, I, I can already see the future changes that are, that are going to happen around here. So Fort Myers beach, that was particularly, I mean, that was like ground zero, right? I would say so. Yeah. And, yep. and th th I didn't think that it was possible to destroy a beach, but it did. It did. And here's the other thing, you know, not only did people lose their homes, but some people lost land. Wow. And I don't know if the land is ever going to come back. And that happened once before in another hurricane up in the Hamptons. Uh, the hurricane came through and literally wiped away one half of the road. And um, so that happened down here. I mean, the, the land literally got washed away. And for anybody that hasn't been down to Fort Myers Beach, I, I happen to have a property down there. So um, it took Autumn and I three hours to drive down there one day. But to give you a for instance... Hooters restaurant is doesn't even exist anymore. And when I say doesn't even exist, you can actually take your beach chair down there, put it down on the sand and feel like you're on the beach because there is no plumbing. There's no infrastructure. There is no foundation. The restaurant is gone. And the same with a lot of the homes. It's like they never existed. Uh, Junkanoo, which was a good sized restaurant, um, that's going to be sadly missed. It is completely gone. You have to understand that the built-in massive bar is missing. The roof structure is missing. All the pizza ovens that were in there are missing. Like, it's gone. Wow. It's like it never even existed there. It's complete sand. So the, uh, the, uh, the size of this storm was just massive. And if you take a look at this one, I mean, I, I took a look at Charlie from 2004, uh, Ian, the eyewall size was 30 nautical miles wide. Charlie was 10 nautical, mi nautical miles. So wow. Ian was three times the size. Yeah. And the winds from the eye of the hurricane for Ian were 30 to 40 miles. And uh, 
the wins extended for Charlie 15 to 25. So you have these wins outside of the eye that are going up to 40 miles out. So now if you really think about the eyewall size, that's 30 nautical miles. And then if the winds extend another 40 miles, you have a 70 mile wide storm. Yeah. And, and like you said, with winds around 150 miles an hour. Right. And then the other issue was, is we have, we pay attention to now, how quickly does the storm move across Florida? Well, Charlie luckily moved at about 23 miles per hour. That's really fast. That's fast. Right. And, and you're happy about that. You're like, just get it over with. But Ian moved only at nine miles per hour. So you have this storm that is, is three times as big as Charlie, but it's also moving nine miles an hour. And so it's just pounding the areas and the, the, the damage and the devastation is just overwhelming. I, I just can't even imagine, you know, seeing this. Um, but like I said, there's shrimp boats all over that are littered um, in Fort Myers Beach. And it's just it's, it's not only there it's Sanibel, uh, Matt Lachey, Pine Island. There's just a lot of areas. So, again, my, my hearts go out to everyone, you know, We've gotten through a lot of this. We still have a lot to go, but um, we're getting there. Slowly getting there for sure. It certainly hasn't slowed the team at Retirement Wealth down. Eric says their disaster plan went into play almost immediately. Day one. I mean, the thing is, is that this is the thing where, you know, our office, we never stop working. It's like, I mean, it's, it's literally you get done with a storm and it's like you call people, you contact people and you know, my call was to Joseph and Autumn, and then Donna had reached out to us. Um, and then what we did was we absolutely implemented the plan. Um, we actually sent people over to Fort Lauderdale, and they were there for the entire very first week because there was power, there was internet, we still had communications, and we kept everything up and running. So we literally did this right away. Um, and then our back offices were assisting us as well. They knew that, you know, our communications were poor. Um, but we never missed a beat. I mean, the thing is, is that we have clients all over the United States that are not affected by the storm. And so now what we really have to do is we've had to make sure that people that are in the storm, out of the storm, they need money. And so we're doing a lot of transfers of money, a lot of withdrawals and so forth, and we, we couldn't skip a beat. So the disaster plan that we have in place worked. Um, we were still able to reach out to everyone, um, and, and, and like I said, nothing stopped. I mean, money never sleeps. I always say that it's the truth. And so the thing is, is that especially in a, you know, a, a horrible event like this one, people need access to their money and we have to make that happen. So there's a huge responsibility that comes with managing people's lifestyles, but also managing, you know, for any emergency needs that that come up. So very proud of my entire team. I'm so grateful for them. They really stepped up to the plate. But we all understood what we had to do. You know, it, it wasn't even a question of should we do this? It's like, okay, what do we do now? And so um, it happened. Um, and, and again, uh, things kept moving forward. And um, I'm very happy with the outcome of that. The plan started even before the storm. So before the storm, and this has happened in the past, um, in Irma, we had eight people stay at one of my office locations. The office location is secure, safe brand new roof, impact windows. And so with this one, we reached out through a video to all of our clients saying, look, if you feel unsafe or you need help, please let us know now before the storm, we're gonna get you to a safe place. And um, so 
Um, this time, um, you know, everybody reached out to us and they said, you know, we're, we're okay. We feel like we're in a safe place. Um, we, we had them make videos of everything, take pictures of their uh, items and everything for insurance reasons, mm -hmm. and we tried to prepare them. And then after the storm, um, it was pretty funny because I had a pretty uh, thick beard, and uh, I was just I was just like I don't care, like you know I mean we were working all the time, either helping people out or, or still doing you know financial planning, and uh, we we're just sending out things. Look, here's what you do about your insurance. You know, here's how to file a oh, claim. Wow. And then also we we ex explained what a public um, insurance adjuster was. You know, like if you really need help and you really think that your insurance company is not going to step up, here's how they work. And so it's just trying to get people through all that. Uh, we were able to help out a few people. That I'm like, hey, if you guys need anything, please let us know. People would reach out to us, and then Autumn would assist them in one way or another. So I feel like, you know, I just I, I feel very responsible for a lot of my clients. I want to be there for them. And, um, again, um, we were able to help some people out. And, and even today we're still getting phone calls about insurance companies uh, the last thing I want to say is Donna did a fantastic job. She sent out a complete email about FEMA, their contact information, about uh, private insurance, flood insurance, everything, so that she had all the numbers, how to file a claim and everything. And Donna was actually helping a lot of our clients file claims. So it's something that we don't typically do, but we knew that people were going to be overwhelmed. So we stepped up and we were able to do that as well. So That's I think fantastic. we were pretty well prepared. They were and certainly are prepared. I asked Joseph, being a native Floridian, how this compared to other storms he's seen in his life. Um, personally, I was out with out of ten days without power. Ten I know everybody days. was different. Yeah, there was some uh, problems with LCEC. People, LCEC <laughs> was kind of in the news, getting a lot of hate because they weren't accepting any help from uh, Florida Power and Light. They're like, oh, we got this covered," and then. You know, all the linemen come out and they're like, well, we didn't actually start working until after 48 hours after the storm yeah. because they were holding us off. And so there was a bunch of, there was a mess for a little sure. bit, you know, just as a start. But I mean, given it's like nobody, when, when you have a mess like that, you can't really blame one person or one thing. It's, it's a mess and you just got to remain calm and, and let it work out. And really, when you look at the devastation, having power in 10 days, I still feel lucky compared to when you go down to Fort Myers Beach and see what it's like out there. So yeah. I'm not complaining. Right. So, Joseph, I mean, you're a Florida guy. You're born and raised. Is this, yeah. Where does this rank in your memories or, or experiences with hurricanes? By far the worst that, I, that I've seen. I mean, and it, and it really is, it, it's so sad to see like Fort Myers Beach and the Sanibel Causeway, Captiva, because those are all areas growing up here that I have such fond memories of, of over the summer and during spring break and going down there with friends and family and you have all these memories down there. And then you go down there and see it and it's, it's not even recognizable. So, you know, any type of person who's from this area, it's just, there's so many landmarks that are just gone now. And, you know, looking back on Irma, it's like everybody over-prepared for Irma and then it came through and it was like, was that was it. And then with this hurricane, it's like 24 hours before it hits, it's like, oh yeah, it's a Cat 4 and it's coming directly for you. And it's like, whoa, what? You know, it feels so unpredicted. So, you know, it's, it's a big shock to all of us. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and again, you know, just because you're from there, because you grew up there, this has to give you a pretty unique perspective on things. And, and from a recovery standpoint, how do you think it's going? 
I mean, I know that the bridge to Sanibel got put up. It was temporary, but the, the, as quick as that bridge got put up to start getting trucks over to Sanibel and, and Captiva was amazing. Um, but as far as the rebuild on Fort Myers Beach and really getting all those businesses back up, because now you got to think when you really start thinking about it, all the jobs that were lost in the service industry, um, we have so you know a lot of our business. We were just getting into season because so much of our service business down here is through restaurants and bars oh, and sure. things on the beaches and hotels. So all that is now gone. All yeah. the, you know, Fort Myers Beach GDP is decimated. So that is taking a huge toll as well. And also the other thing I always think of is the people that were, you know, have been down here or moved down here. Like, you know, after COVID, we saw a huge rush of people move down to this area. So these people have been down here for what, a year and a half, two yeah. years maybe. Yeah. And they're like, does this happen every year? You know, I can't imagine what they're thinking with, with, you know, just coming to Florida. And now this is their first impression of being in the area. And it's almost like you want to say like, Hey, I've lived here my whole life and I've never seen a storm like this before. So you don't have to, yeah. hopefully we don't have to worry about that ever happening again in our lifetime. Man, let's hope so, Joseph. Eric, how does this change your approach to helping folks with retirement? Well, it's, it, it all comes down to risk. I mean, you know, um, it, you pay attention to risk with everything. And, you know, again, I know a lot about real estate. Um, we've helped a lot of people out with real estate and it's just, you're, 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 you're looking at risk mitigation in a whole different light now. And really there, there's several different kinds of risk that you can actually do now with living on the water or the beach. One type of risk is risk acceptance. You are accepting that where you live, there is risk. And it, it, it's as simple as that. Um, it's not really a it's not really a strategy. It doesn't reduce any effects of anything, but risk acceptance is saying, "Look, I get it. You know, I have a beautiful view, but this could not be this way all the time." The second thing is risk avoidance, and risk avoidance is the absolute opposite of risk acceptance. You're you don't want to be on the water, right? You're you're willing to be safer and not have that view of the water. Um, and so you're just completely avoiding risk at all. Um, the third one is like risk limitation, and that's the most common one. It's used by a lot of businesses. You're limiting your risk. And so maybe the younger that you are, the more risk that you're willing to take. But as you get older, you want to limit more risk. And then the fourth one is risk transference. And this is where we're using property and casualty companies. We're transferring the risk, hopefully, to our insurance company. And so, you know, it, it all really depends. Now, personally, I've always wanted a beach condo. And, you know, I ended up buying one a few years ago on Fort Myers Beach. But the, the thing was, I always wanted to know that after a hurricane, I could still actually use my beach condo. And oddly enough, way before the storm, um, a friend of mine and I were down near the beach. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go shut my blinds or my shutters in the beach condo. And, you know, if I hadn't have done that, I'm not so sure I would have made it down for the storm. Um, but anyways, I, I, I went and I shut down everything. And uh, but that that building took a pounding and I'm four stories up and the water literally washed all the cars across the street and then back again, almost in the same spot. Oh, and um, yeah, the, the girl who lives on the second floor stayed there and she says, I've never seen anything like it in my life. But. 
Risk mitigation was I bought that because I didn't want to go through what these poor people are going through. You know, when you own a beach home and it gets wiped out, it's like, I mean, that's going to take them years to rebuild. Um, and, and, you know, with, with building costs, inflation and everything right now, uh, it's just, it's terrible for these people. And I really, really do feel for them because when I, when I drove down there, there were cars littered left and right, couches, refrigerators. These are people's lives that are littered all over the streets. And, um, so when I, when I went to my beach condo, um, there was no power. Um, so I walked in and, you know, opened up some of the windows to get some air through there. Cause we probably won't have power down there for a month or two. Um, but it's just amazing to me. I mean, the, the place was completely intact and that was what I strived for, you know? So, um, I don't exactly have, you know, what some other people have where they're directly on the beach, but I limited my risk. And so I think whether it's your money, your portfolio, your lifestyle, your real estate, you really have to look at mitigating risk and and talk to somebody who really understands and thinks about this because this is something that we implement in everything that we do. Um, there's, you know, there, there's, there's the good and the bad about different pieces of real estate. And, you know, everybody wants that beautiful view, but you got to remember that beautiful view sometimes comes at an absolute cost. And uh, so, again, this is where it's going to change the whole way that we live on Fort Myers Beach or Sanibel. It's going to change the way that we build things. Our infrastructure is going to be different. The risk is going to be different. Um, and so, like I said, this is, this is definitely one of the most costliest storms in history, uh, U.S. history anyways. And um, it, this is going to go on for years. The impact of this storm will certainly be etched in people's minds forever. Yeah, everybody out there, hey, if you have any questions about FEMA filing a claim, um, you've got property insurance that you have questions about, um, insurance claim adjusters, anything like that, give us a call. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. And like I said, if we can help you out with any of the insurance stuff, please give us a call. Remember, tough times don't last. Tough people do. We are a tough community. Help other people. Stay with it. And we'll talk to you soon. Tough people they are. That's it. Episode 166 of Financial Pizza is complete. Hope you enjoyed our up-close and personal view of Hurricane Ian and devastation caused in Southwest Florida. Now, if you want to hear more from Eric and Joseph, check out their podcast, Wealth Works Radio. Find it anywhere you download a podcast. It's a tire hour talking about the storm. If you want to reach me, email me, steve at financialpizza.com. Financial Pizza is produced and written by me, Steve Siddall. It originates from the palatial studios of broadcasting experts in Apex, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really do appreciate it. Going to be back next week with another episode of Financial Pizza. I'm Steve Siddall. Pizza. Coach P Radio. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruta or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Individuals should thoroughly review the contract for specific details of the product features and costs. Income payments and withdrawals from deferred annuities are generally taxable as ordinary income in the year they are taken. Money management is provided by Equus Capital Management. Equus is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in San Rafael, California. Investment advice by Capital Financial Advisory Group, LLC, a North Carolina-registered investment advisor. 
Insurance advice given by Capital Financial and Insurance, a North Carolina licensed insurance agency.